0: Folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 6, the book of Romans. We're going to continue on in our study of the gospel, the, excuse me, the book of Romans. I keep wanting to call it the gospel. There's something wrong with my thinking. It is good news, and we're especially, what we're talking about today is even better news as we talk about the reality of the freedom that we have from the power of sin. So let me kind of remind you of where we're at. If you remember, we're going through the book of Romans to understand our faith, to understand what it is that we believe. And we've seen from the beginning that he makes a very clear case in the first part, first three chapters, that all of humanity is condemned. All of humanity is going to hell. That means everybody, from the Gentile, who is just rejecting the reality of the existence of God and doing his own thing, to the guy who's moral, who would judge other people, and think that because he's, quote, living, quote, a moral lifestyle, which, by the way, Paul points out, he doesn't live up to himself. He's condemned. The Jew is condemned because they have the word of God. They're supposed to be teachers. But they don't even follow it themselves. And just to make sure that everybody is understanding what's going on, he says everyone is condemned because no one really seeks after God. And with that, he tells us that the reality is Jesus. And when you understand the reality of Jesus and what he's done for you, you realize that he has justified you by what? By your faith in him. And with that, you are accepted, not because of you. You realize it is not about you. We've said that. This isn't about you. It's about him. It's about what Jesus did for you. And with that, he has reconciled you. You now have a relationship with him. And where grace, where sin is, because we are sinners, grace abounds much more. So then we get into chapter 6. And he's trying to get you to understand that here's where we were. We've been over this the last few weeks. That when you came to Jesus... You were immediately changed, and the old person, the old you, died. And when the old you died, the power of sin was broken in your life. Now with that comes confusion. With that comes the reality that people think, okay, well, you know what? It's all about the reality that I'm freed from sin and it's grace, and grace abounds so much more. In fact, the very last thing he said in verse 14, if you look at your Bibles there real quickly in verse 14, he says, For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. You start hearing those things, you begin to think that you can just do whatever you want. And so it causes confusion. So that's why he gets into verse 16. Well, let's read the whole passage and then I'll tell you about verse 16, okay? Look with me at verse 15 through the end of the chapter. What then, are we to sin because we are no, we're not under under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin have become slaves and and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's he do? He starts out here because he wants to make sure that everybody understands. He also is recognizing that there's this confusion. So he starts out very first part here, verse 15, and he says this, what then are we to sin because we're no longer under the law but under grace? Now here's the confusion. Some are convinced that they can sin since they are not bound by the law. It's a natural outcome. If you were told that you were forgiven, that all of your sins are forgiven, you have an eternal home with Jesus, you are now freed from sin, grace abounds much more than sin, it's only natural now that you could come to the place of thinking, well, then that means I can just go do whatever I want to do. And we know people like that. You've met people like that. And it comes in subtle forms. What do you mean subtle forms? Because we can do the same thing. Sometimes we'll do things and we know we shouldn't do something, but we'll tell ourselves, well, I'll ask for forgiveness later. Knowing that you shouldn't do something. And there's a presumption there that if I ask for forgiveness, he'll what? Forgive me, even though I know that I shouldn't do it. So there's this confusing thought that's out there among people. Now the problem is, here's what Paul is saying. He, he says it with one word in its original language, but here we see it in three little words, by no means, exclamation point. No way, impossible. You can't think that way. So here's the point I want you to see. That thought is a total misunderstanding of truth And must be rejected. If you're thinking that now because you're a believer. And that you've been saved. That now you can just go do whatever you want to do. Because you know you're you're not worried about hell. You know that there is forgiveness. You can just go do whatever you want to do. He's saying to you. Listen he's saying to you. That's wrong. Don't think that way. You need to reject that because you're missing the bigger picture. And that's what he's going to present us with now is that there is a bigger picture. So let's reiterate some things for ourselves. Okay, so when you came to Christ, all right? When you came to Christ, when you and I came to Christ, for me it was April of 1985 in Columbia, South Carolina. When I came to Christ... At that moment, Christ, the Holy Spirit, entered into my life. He entered into your life whenever that moment was, sealed you for the day of redemption, Ephesians chapter one. He's your guarantee. So there we see the whole aspect of eternal security. He forgave me of my sin. He broke, according to Paul, what we've already looked at in the beginning part of this chapter, chapter 6. He broke the power of sin in your life. The power of sin is no longer dominant in life. The old me died. The old you, when you came to Christ, died. That sin nature was destroyed. But the problem is, is we live in a body that has been, what, trained in sin, which still craves sin. But the problem is is that sometimes we think now, okay, well then I can just go do whatever I want. No, 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 he's trying to tell you that's not an option that you can just go do whatever you want. You now belong to who? Who do you belong to? Jesus. And with that, you've got a choice to make. You've got to decide how you're going to live your life because the reality is, is there's a principle here that you need to understand. There is a reality that you need to grasp. And we see that now in verse 16. Look at what he says here. It's very plain. Here's what he says, verse 16. Do you not know? All right, so he's asking you a question. Don't you know this? Do you not know? That if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. So, whoever you're presenting yourself to, you become a slave to that person. Don't you know that? That's reality. Remember, Jesus would say to us in the Gospels, You can't serve two masters. Problem is, for all of us, we want to have middle ground, we want to do both. But Paul is reiterating again, you can't. You've got to serve one or the other. Now, who are they? Well, look with me again, verse 16. You are slaves of one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So here's what I want you to see. Two things I want you to see about this reality. Instead of just thinking you can go do whatever you want, you need to realize, first of all, here it is, you become a slave to either sin or obedience to God. You become a slave to sin or obedience to God. Bottom line. There is no middle ground in there. You choose which one you want to be a slave to. Now the problem is, this is interesting, isn't it? The problem is, is that you have been freed from sin, right? You once were in bondage to sin before you got saved. But now you've been freed from it, and so what he's saying is, why would you want to go back there? It's always interesting to me, I love history, when you read about nations that come and free slaves, that they free them and they think that the slaves will leave and go back to where they came from but oftentimes what they find is is that they're so traumatized they they realize that life is such the way they keep serving the people that enslaved them and the victors who come and the people who free them will say hey hey don't you know you can go do something else but the problem is is they don't know any better and I find that to be true with a lot of Christians they've been so used to sitting that they keep on what Sinning. But the reality is, is you either become a a slave either to sin or obedience to God. Now here is what the second thing I want you to see here is. The choice leads to either death or righteousness. The choice leads to death or righteousness. Now when we look at the word death here, I don't want you to think about physical death. It's not talking about spiritual death. Paul's using it in a more generic sense of consequences. Here's the thing when you sit there and say, Well, I'm no longer under the law, I guess I can just go do whatever I want to do, and if I sin, there's forgiveness, there's grace. You're missing a point here, Paul is saying. You either become a slave to sin or you become a slave to obedience. And whichever you choose is going to lead to one thing or another. If you choose the path of sin, it's always going to result in death, destruction. But if you choose the path of obedience, it's going to result in righteousness. Now you and I know that. The fact of the matter is... I'll say it this way. When you sin, there will always be, are you ready for it? You know the term, consequences. Sin will always bear consequences. Sin will always bring some type of destruction. It will either destroy you, it will destroy others around you, but it will always bring destruction. That's death. And so he's bringing up a reality, a principle here, that you have to make a choice. You're either going to be serving God in obedience or you're going to be serving yourself in sin. And the reality is there's one or the other. The fact is, is the choice leads to either death or righteousness. So to help you to understand that, he brings us to verses 17 to 23, where he's going to lay out the choice for you and I. He's going to lay out so that you and I understand what exactly is going on so that you and I can quit thinking that we can just do whatever we want to do. So that we can get to the place where we stop thinking that it's okay for me to do whatever because it's not. You've been freed from the power of sin so that you would stop what? Sinning. Do you understand that? You've been freed from the power of sin through Jesus' cr- cross so that you would what? Stop sinning. He didn't do it so that you could get a get out of jail free card for your wallet. He didn't do it so that you could just whip out the forgiveness card and say, well, that's taken care of. He did it so that you would be freed from it so you could stop. Do you understand? He broke that power. So what does he want us to see here about the choice that needs to be made? First of all, He's going to remind you of something. Verse 17. Look at what he says. But thanks be to God. Wow, what a way to start off. He's going to give you hopes. He's saying, well, oh, look, you're either a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. But here's what I want to tell you. Thanks be to God. Because when I look at you, is what he's saying here, I see something that's hopeful and you need to grab a hold of it. Thanks be to God. Here it is. That you who were once slaves of sin. All right, stop. You who were what? Once slaves of sin. So what is he trying to say to you and I? Are you a slave of sin right now? I don't hear anything. No. Thanks be to God, you who were once slaves of sin. That means you used to be. Why is it used to be? Because Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. When you accepted him by faith, you changed. You became a new creature in Christ. The old man has died and passed away. The power of sin has been broken. So here's what he's saying here. Look at what he says, verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. What's he talking about here? It is. You used to be a slave of sin, but you responded to the gospel. You used to be, but what changed it? Somebody shared Jesus with you. Somebody made you aware of what Jesus did for you. Somebody made you aware of the cross and of the resurrection Somebody made you aware that it's not by what you do, it's what Jesus has done for you. It's by faith alone, not in your works. You used to be because you believed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you believed in Christ, you committed your heart to Christ. So when you realize that, that helps you in a choice that you have to make. This isn't something that you just keep on doing because you've always do it. That man died. This is something you do because you are now a new creature in Christ and the power of sin has been broken. Why? Because you used to be a slave of sin, but now you what? You responded to the gospel. You responded to that. Look with me now. Verse 18 and 19. Here's what he's saying you're a slave to now. Look with me at verse 18. He says this. And having been set free from sin have become, and, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to, to more lawlessness, now so present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Here's what I want you to see now. Because you've been free from sin, you are now slaves to righteousness. What you're bound by is something completely different. You're now a slave to doing what God wants you to do. To righteousness. Not so that you have some kind of standing with him. You already have that standing. So when we talk about being a slave to righteousness, it's not like I'm getting better at getting in more with God. You're already in with God but that you're doing what you need to do so that you, notice the word sanctification there, so that you become the person that you need to be in Christ. This is the reality. This is how you make the right choice. I'm not a slave to this. I could say no to it. I'm going to say yes to what I need to say because that's what I'm a slave to. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to God. And this is the reality. So then, here's the choice. Here's the choice, and we need to understand it. Here it is, verse 20 to 23. And I've got two points to make about these two verses. Here it is, 20 and 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What's he saying there, George? Well, when you were a slave to sin, that means when you were lost. When you didn't know Jesus... You weren't bound by what church people tell you to do. And by the way, have you noticed, they don't do what you tell them to do, right? They just do their own thing. When you were a slave to sin, you weren't bound by what God wanted to be done. Do you understand what I'm saying? You weren't bound. We understand that. A lost person isn't bound to God. He's, he's just doing his own thing and facing the consequences of that. So here's what he says. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So he's saying, okay, so before you were saved, when you were lost, when you were a slave to sin, you weren't even caring less about being bound to righteousness or doing what God wanted So he said, so you just did your own thing. Here's what he's means. Here's the way to say it. How'd that turn out? How'd that turn out? Not good. Doing your own thing with no bounds of no one restraining you, no one just letting you do whatever you wanted to do, that didn't turn out well, did it? Because it only resulted in more misery and more pain and more things going wrong. And the ultimate end result, he says it again, is what? Death. Death. So let's continue on here. Look at what he says here. So. But, verse 22 Now that you have been set free from sin. There he is. He keeps telling you that. You've been set free from sin. Listen to what he says. Now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's the two points I want you to see. All right, first one. The choice to sin always results in death. Bottom line, put a big star by that. You want to know what the answer is to the guy who says, Now, because I know Jesus, I can just do whatever I want because I can always ask for forgiveness. Great. Have you thought that one through? Because while you are forgiven, it doesn't remove the consequences, does it? Do you know what I mean? I'll give you an example, I'll use me. So when I came to Christ in 1985, I gave up drinking. And I haven't had anything since then. Maybe one time within the first year of coming to Christ, but not since. And let's say Pastor George leaves here today, tonight for some reason, I'm feeling like I would just want to tie one on, okay? And so I go, I don't even know where to go. I go somewhere, probably would do it in the next county, okay? So I drive over, I'll go to Center County. Nobody knows me there. I don't think anybody knows me there. So I go over there, tie myself one on, big time. And so then I'm driving back. And on the way back, I lose control of my vehicle. I smash it up. I have an accident. I lose my arm in the accident. Now let me ask you a question. The next day when I wake up in the hospital all bandaged up, confess my sins to the Lord, am I forgiven? Okay, but does that forgiveness give me back my arm? Does that forgiveness give me back my reputation? Does that forgiveness give me back my ministry? I can tell you right now, if that happened, I wouldn't be here next Sunday, right? Right? At least you would hope I wouldn't be here. You know what I'm saying? Would that give me back my family? Would that give me back anything? I would lose friends. I would lose credibility. I would, Do you understand what I'm saying? I would be in shame. Now, what if I said to you before that, oh, but you know what? I know I shouldn't do this, but I'll be forgiven. Yes, I understand. But what Paul's trying to tell you is when you choose to be a slave to sin, the end result is always what, folks? Death. It's always consequences. Now, do you see why? Even though grace is greater than the law, that just doesn't give you permission to do whatever you want. He's, he's trying to get you to think beyond just yourself. He's trying to get you to think beyond just the moment. Because let's be honest, when you sin, it's only your thoughts are only for the what? The moment, right? Right? He's trying to get you to think beyond the moment to the outcome. So the choice to be made, the first thing I want you to see here is the choice to sin always results in death. But here's the next thing he says for you to make the right choice. The choice to walk in obedience results in spiritual fruit and life. It's interesting that he would use that phrase here in Romans, fruit. Fruit. It reminds me of a passage in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ... Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Remember, we've already talked about that earlier in this passage, right? You and I have been crucified with Christ. The power of sin has been broken. And he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When you make the decision to be a slave to God, here's what happens in your life. Not just eternal life later. But the development now of who you are as a person. Because when you look at this list of fruit, it's character, love, joy, peace, patience. How many need help with that? Patience, right? Kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is what he produces in your life. That, my friends, is sanctification. You say, okay, George, where are we going with this? All right, so let me bring it back. Let's just wrap it up. Let's just remind us again of the truths. Reality was, is we were all headed to where, folks? Hell. But Jesus came and gave himself on the cross so that we might have eternal life. If we would What? Just have faith and believe. Commit our lives to him. And at that moment, not because of you and what you've done and haven't done, but because of what Jesus has done, he saved you. And at that moment, you got saved. The Spirit of God entered into your life. You were changed. The power of sin was broken. You're now a freed man. But you're not free to just go do whatever you want. You're now free to do what God wants you to do. And you've got to kill that thought process that says, well, I'll just ask for forgiveness later. You know what? You need to take it one step further and think about, well, yeah, but is that going to remove the consequences? Because when you choose the path of sin, it always results in what? Death. So what do we need to do? Choose the path of obedience. And do what God wants us to do. And the end result is that I become the person He wants me to be. That's what we should be doing. Something to think about. Let me pray for you.